Welcome to Genesis Metro Church. Let's give it up for our band one more time for leading us in worship this morning. Man, it is an honor and a privilege to be here today. My name is Titus Bourne and my dad, Tim Bourne, is the one who's usually up here doing the preaching and the pastoring kind of thing. But unfortunately, his back is not doing too hot. And so I am stepping in today to fill in for him. So thank you to Genesis Metro and thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to speak today. Be praying for his back. He's kind of crooked like this. That's how he stands a lot of the time now, but it's okay, you know, it's okay. We're praying for him. He's getting surgery soon, so prayers for, prayers for old, uh, old Pastor Tim. But as we get into today's message, we're continuing our series. I called him old, okay? I'm sorry. When you have back problems, you officially jump that gap, okay? It's no offense to anybody in here. It's just reality. I'll be there one day too, and you can come tell me I'm old, okay? Guys, we're getting off. We're getting off track, all right? Let's, let's focus in, all right? We've got some Bible to get into today. One team, one dream. Let's talk about it, right? Let's, let's talk about it. It's the series we're going through right now. And uh, man, when I hear one team, one dream, for here at Genesis Metro, what that means for us is that as a body of believers, we are united in the fact that we believe in Jesus Christ. And our dream, because of how we're united as a team, is to reach people with that message. And so as we go through this series, I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope that you have had some takeaways over the last couple weeks. And we're going to continue in our series today in a sermon about truth. The sermon title today is The Freedom in Truth. Today I want to present the truth, the truth, and what that truth means and how it can be applied to your life. I want to present to you a choice of two teams that you can choose to play for in this life and how there's two teams out there. And you get to choose. You get to choose which team that you want to be on. When I hear the word team, of course, one of the first things I think of is sports, right? Of course, sports, 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 all the sports balls, all the things, right? And so when I think of teams, I think of that. And I think it's really, it's amazing today how we can see like a picture of something, whatever it is. And that picture can tell us exactly what team it is. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like you can see a logo for a team and know the exact name of the team, where the team is located, the players for that team. You know, all this information by just seeing a logo, right? And it happens with everything, not just sports, right? It's like different organizations, different, different, all different kinds of things. You can see the logos of something and know what it means it represents. So today I want to play a little game. And you're like, Titus, I thought games weren't for church. They are, okay? They are. You can have fun at church. Can I get an amen for that? All right? So we're going to play a game called Guess That Logo. All right, I'll put a couple logo. I was going to do like a game show host voice for that, but I was like, if I do, I really got to nail it, you know? And I just, I didn't believe. I, anybody else think they could have been a game show host though? Just by, by hands, game? Oh yeah. Oh, he's right there. He knows. He could be a game show. Anyways, anyways. Favorite game show? Anybody? Price is Right? Yeah? Price is Right? Jeopardy, maybe? Hmm? Family Feud? Steve Harvey? I mean, classic. Classic. Okay, here we go. Guess that logo. The first one we're going to put on the screen right now. I want y'all to try to guess what it is. Here we go. One, two, three. Oh, good job, everyone. I wanted to give you a little alley-oop, you know, to start off. Easy one, easy one. Second one might be easy, might be difficult for, for some of you who have back problems. Um, but here we go. You see what I did there? No. That's Instagram. I'm proud of everyone for knowing that. Hey, just a little PSA, okay? Students especially, if you know somebody who needs help working in an Instagram app, help them, okay? Help them. My father likes to try to post, he wants to like post a story, right? But instead of like taking a video or a picture and then posting it, he just goes live on Instagram. 
I'm like, dad, that's not like, there's other ways, you know, cause like, we're just live. Like whatever happens, happens. And that's that. And that's it. Like, there's no, I'm like, Hey, okay. I'm just saying help them. Okay. They need help. Next, the last one we have today. Anybody know it? Anybody know it? That's Genesis Metro's logo. I decided to put it in with the other two because we're, we're on the same level, basically, okay? Cowboys, Instagram, Genesis Metro, it just flows together. It really does. Um, but you know all these logos, right? Hopefully. If you didn't know that one, now you do. You can probably get a little car sticker to put on yours after this. Regardless, you see these logos and you know what they are. You know what they represent. And I think it's, it's very interesting how you can look at something and then know what it is. And so today I want to ask you guys, if there was a logo of your life, what would it represent? And we're going to see if your logo presents the team that you're choosing to play for as we go through today's message. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Freedom in truth. Jesus and the Pharisees are having an interaction here. We're going to see their response in the next verse in 33. It says, they answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, the Pharisees, I think a lot of us hear that word Pharisees and we either act like we know what it means or just think, well, those are the bad guys, right? Those are the bad guys that wanted to kill Jesus. That's it. That's all we know. And I think that's true. They, they were the bad guys. But what's more, um, um, what's a, what's a more important detail about them is that they were, you know, they were, they were scholars. They, they dove into the Bible. They know the Old Testament. They know the scriptures. They know the laws. And they could recite them to everybody and anybody. And they had all of this knowledge in their head. And we're going to see in this story that they don't have it in their heart. So they have all this knowledge in here, but they don't have it in their heart. And so what they do is they, they completely miss the point of what Jesus is saying here, right? He's saying the truth will set you free. And they're like, well, but we're not, we're not, we're not slaves, Jesus. It's like, like what, are you, what are we doing here, right? They say, well, Jesus, we're Abraham's descendants. Like, it, it just reminds me of like a conversation with somebody. It's like when you're having a conversation about, you know, X subject, and all of a sudden they want to just say, something completely off the rails, right? That's nothing to do with the conversation, right? Like you're talking about the weather. Let's say we're talking about the weather because that's such a fun topic to talk about. And uh, summer to fall for Texas is really like 100 degrees to 80 degrees, right? Until it drops like 50 this morning, which I was not prepared for, okay? I, I was pretty cold walking out, which I'm like, it's, it's just weakness, right? It really is. I'm Texan, so I'm not used to this, right? 50 degrees is like it, negative zero for me. Negative zero, is that a thing? Let's move on. So, in conversations about the weather, all right, you're talking about, well, you know, yeah, the weather's dropping all these things, yeah, da, 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 da. and they're like, well, did you hear about my boy Timmy, though? He scored 10,000 goals this Saturday. The MLS is looking at him. Barcelona's looking into it. He is recruited. And it's like, did you really even hear what I was talking about, or are you just waiting to, like, talk about what you want to talk about? You know what I'm saying? Like, were the Pharisees here listening to Jesus, wanting to find information, wanting to get closer to him, or are they just trying to, you know, do what they always do, which is put themselves higher by acknowledging that they're descendants of Abraham, right? And they say, how can you say that we shall be set free? Questioning Jesus. And Jesus' reply says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Me, you, we're all slaves of sin when we sin. 
Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So at first we saw that the truth will set you free, right? Now he's saying the son will set you free. And the truth and the son are now synonymous, right? The son is the truth and the truth is the son. And they have the power to set you free. This is what he's presenting to these Pharisees. He says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. He's like, I get it, all right? You're trying to say this and you're trying to be this, but yet you are looking for a way to kill me. I know what you said, but let's look at what you're doing, right? Looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. First point today is make room. Make room. The Pharisees did not have room in their lives, in their hearts for Jesus. Today, I pray and hope that you can make room for God's word. And when you hear that, when you hear that term, make room, you know, what does that mean? What, what, is, what does that mean to make room, Titus? Well, I think if any of you have ever moved somebody and they move from a bigger place to a smaller place, but they think they can keep everything, right? You've experienced this. Sometimes some things have to go, right? Sometimes you just can't hold on to everything. Anybody have any hoarder friends in here? Just subtly raise your hand. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just raise your hand. I understand. I understand. So we recently got new couches at my parents' house. And what we had before are these two white couches in a household with three boys. I don't know if that was the best decision when we first got those couches, but regardless, they actually made it through all right. I mean, they're white couches. They made it through okay. But they're a little smaller. And like the springs were like coming, coming, out of the, like coming out of the cushions, you know? It's like we all, we've all sat in a bad couch, haven't we? Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, we've been there. We've been there. And so recently we got these new couches. And what these new couches, uh, oh, couch has been is that before we had like five to six end tables because you never have too many of those end tables, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. You know, you have a problem. You stop going to Hobby Lobby and buying end tables, okay? Stop. Anyways, so we got this new couch. It's like this huge L-shaped couch. And I came home uh, a couple weekends ago and I noticed we had this new couch and there's so many things missing, right? No more end tables, not every picture of our family over the last 20 years. Like all these things are gone now, right? But we had to make room for this couch. Now I'm not saying that Jesus is an L-shaped awesome couch. I'm not saying that specifically. But I am saying that in life, when you choose to step into faith, choose to follow Jesus, I think some things have to go in order to make room for what Jesus is going to do. Sometimes you have to cut out in order for Jesus to come in. And so the two teams you see today is team Jesus and team everything else. There's team Jesus and there's team everything else. Everything else is where the Pharisees are in. They're, in, they're on team everything else. We see the Pharisees, they're looking for gain, not for God. Their whole goal is to gain status, to gain reputation, to gain popularity, to gain respect. They are obsessed in their pride to gain, 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 gain. More and more and more and more. What can I get? What can I attribute? What, what, can, what can I receive? And I think if we look at our lives and we look at the Pharisees, because I think so many times you count the Pharisees as like, you know, we'd never be like them, Right? If I, was, if, if I were back then, I would know it's Jesus and I would follow him and I would have faith. And yet, when it's time to cut the things out to make room, you're unwilling to do so. When it's time to change your ways, according to God's word, you're unwilling to do so. It's interesting how we can chalk other people up 
to lost and to filled with mistakes and yet not have some self-reflection and look in the mirror about what we could change, what we could get better at. Because we're, I think what happens is we so focus on what we can gain and lose sight of focusing on God, then it becomes more about the things than it does about Jesus. I think it's a dangerous, dangerous game. See, on this team, team everything else, the Pharisees, they're, they're focused on pushing people outside the church. They hold these laws so strictly that their, their goal is to find the unclean people and push them out of the church. And wouldn't it be terrible if churches in America, in our world today, were more focused on pushing people out than bringing them in? Wouldn't it be horrible if churches today if Christians today were more focused on putting people in prisons than setting them free. And yet we're so quick to judge, aren't we? Man, team everything else. Team everything else. I think when I think of team everything else, I think of the phrase, live your truth, right? Live your truth. So the world's telling us today, live your truth. Your truth could be terrible. It could be a very, very bad thing. But if you're living your truth, you know, at least you'll, you'll be happy if you live your truth. And yet, I have seen so many times people living their truth, doing what they want to do, and end up in the most painful places. How can you be living your truth, living your purpose, and yet, stuck in pain, and yet at the bottom of the barrel. How can you say you're living your truth and living what you want to do, and it's the right thing if that's where you're at in life? You see, I think there's a difference between living your truth and living by the truth. So the second team that we have is Team Jesus, the team focused on setting people free from sin. Jesus says it over and over again. The truth will set you free. The sun will set you free and you will be free indeed. See, here at GM, we are focused on finding freedom for others. We want to get people to Jesus. We want to love people as much as we can, as many times as we can. We don't care where you've come from. We don't care the mistakes you have made. We are going to show you love because that's what Jesus did. And he did it over and over again. And if you look at the New Testament, if you look at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will watch Jesus going around and finding all these people the Pharisees pushed out and bringing them in. All the people that they deemed unclean, he went out and made sure to find them and save them. The people that were pushed the furthest from church were now the people closest to Jesus. So I hope today, as Christians and as a church, we can continue to be focused not on the mistakes of people, but on the potential of what they can become when Jesus enters the equation. There's two teams. And again, I want to ask, if there was a logo of your life, what team would you be on? What team would I recognize from your logo? The Pharisees were so caught up in their pride and they didn't have any room for Jesus. And I think we put so many things in substitute of Jesus, right? Whether it's the career, whether it's uh, having the reputation of this tight-knit family, whether it's the kids' sports, right? Ten tournaments per day kind of thing, right? I think the scary thing about that one specifically is that if we prioritize sports, dance, whatever it is that they're into, 
and we prioritize it over church, what kind of pattern do you think you're setting up for them in the future? Now, as a kid, I can learn from my parent, okay, well then I can make an excuse not to go to church. I can find a reason not to go. It's Sunday morning and I have a basketball game and I have church to go to and we go to the basketball game. Now when I have my family, what am I gonna prioritize? I think we so often forget about the generational impact we all can have on the generations to come. The priority you're setting in your family, the team that you're choosing to play on, it's not just for you. It's not just for you to find freedom. I, I pray you do find freedom on team Jesus, but it's not just for you. You're setting the example for others. You are impacting others. And the story, the Pharisees, right? They're, they're saying one thing, yet they're doing another. They're saying, well, we're Abraham's ascendants, you know? So, you know, we're good. Like we're, we're above, we're, we're higher. But yeah, they're trying to kill Jesus. And how many times do we say one thing and live the other, especially in our Christianity sometimes, right? I'll start going more. I'll start, I'll start being there more. Oh, but ah, I just can't, I can't miss that conference. Man, sorry. I'll come, I'll come to that. I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there tonight. Yeah, I'll be there tonight. Oh man, I'm tired, I'm tired, right? And we don't just do it at church, we do it in other things, right? I had a buddy one time, he was like, hey man, I need you to hold me accountable to eat better and eat right. And he told a kind of group of us to help him, you know, fix the diet a little, get, get, get healthy, get better kind of thing. We're like, okay, if you want to do that, we'll help you. We'll hold you accountable. We'll do that. So one night we're all hanging out. All right. And uh, it got quiet. And when it gets quiet, you know, sometimes this buddy of mine, you know, you know, something's, something's going on. Cause like we talked the whole time. And so if something gets quiet, he might be eating something he's not supposed to be eating. Right. So I look over and I see he's holding a piece of white bread, which is not on the regiment. Now, Hey, God bless white bread. Right. But but hey, that was not on the diet, all right? So me and some of my other buddies, we run over there and like, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He, know, he looks at us, looks at the bread, looks at us, looks at the bread. I'm like, don't you do it. And I run over there and I would go to grab the bread out of his hand. You say, Titus, don't ever grab a grown man's food. And I say, you're right. Because when I did that, his little chompers try to take my fingers off I mean, quicker than Shark Week. I'm talking like, um, like boom. I was like, whoa, whoa. What are we doing here? What are we doing? He's like, don't take my food. I'm like, dude, you asked me to help you. And now you're trying to take my fingers off, fool. Like, what's going on? What's happening? But so many times we say we want to do these things, but when the time comes to sacrifice, to actually live up to our word, then we sometimes fall away, not willing to change. As the story goes on, verses 38 through 43, uh, Jesus continues to call out the Abraham relation and their excuse of, of doing that. And then he says, if God were your father, you would love me. And then he asks them this in 43. He says, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Why is my language not clear to you, Pharisees? I'm, I'm telling you the answer. I'm telling you the truth. So why can't you hear what I'm saying? Now, obviously they could hear him in the physical, right? 
because they've been talking to him back and forth for a while so they could hear him. So what's Jesus really saying here? So I think what's going on is there's a difference between hearing and having. I think the Pharisees can hear, but I don't think they have. I don't think they have Jesus' word in their lives. And then I think about us. How many times we walk into church and we hear the message, we see the worship, we hear the worship of broken people giving thanks to what God's doing in their life. And we hear all of it, but we don't have it, do we? We hear and see the joy of other people and their walk with God and how they're always chipper, you know, beep bopping around, feeling good. And you're like, where can I get some of that? And maybe you're hearing about it, maybe you're seeing it, but you're not having it in your life. Wouldn't it be a shame if you went on after today, next week, next year, continuing to hear the truth over and over again and not having it? And wouldn't it be terrible for you to go your whole life having opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And you're not willing to make the room for it. Jesus then says to the Pharisees, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Like Titus, that's pretty dark for a Sunday morning. You didn't tell me, but the kids are in here, Titus, and you talked about the devil. Yes, yes. Because I think so many times we, we put Jesus in this box of just being a comforter. And he is a comforter. I'm not saying he's not. But Jesus is not just a comforter. He's also a challenger, right? He's challenging them here in this story. I'll tell you, if you're going to make room, if you're going to have, you're going to be challenged. Jesus will challenge you. And so we see the Pharisees are challenged and he's calling out the reality of the enemy. How there is a real force out there looking to spread lies and to be the enemy of truth, looking to steal, kill, and destroy the truth in your life. And if you continue to live unaware of that fact, you will not be able to withstand the effects of those lies because you are not aware it is occurring. And so you have to know if there's an enemy of the truth and you better, you better be fortified in God's word. The lies are the tool of the enemy. And I think so many times I've seen people get so close to making a change, like so close to jumping all in, right? Like they're, they're, they're like, you see them, they're in worship, right? They're, they, maybe they were the people who kind of do this the whole time, right? And it's like, no, I'm not going to say those words, Right? But then I see them and they're like, oh, you're going to put your hand on? You're going to sing that song? You know, it's like you see a progression in people and they'll, they'll, they'll start to, to understand more. They'll start to make time for, for the church. They'll start to read their Bible more. They'll get, they'll get really close. But then one lie will take them out. One lie will put them out of the game. And then one lie will take them back down the mountain. And they were so close, right? So close to something. See, the enemy is, he's trying to get you out of the game. He's trying to take you out with the lies. And the lies may have had their day a couple of times in your life. Maybe you can think of a time where 
a lie kind of spiraled and put you in a dark place. Maybe you just think of a time where you've been in a struggling place. You've been at your lowest low. But the beautiful thing is that the lies, yes, they're out there. The enemy, yes, he is real. Yes, he is trying to take you down. But the beautiful truth is that the truth already won. The truth already won. In John 19, verse 30, Jesus is on the cross. He's on the cross for your sins and for my sins, for your worst mistakes and my worst mistakes. And he's up there because he wants to make a way for you to not have to stay at that lowest point. He wants to make a way for you to not have to live in your struggle forever, to not have to live in your depression forever or deal with that anxiety for as long as you live. He's trying to make a way for you to get to love, to get to hope. And as he is hanging on that cross, suffering with some of his last breaths, he says, it is finished. It is finished. Now he's not saying, you know what, devil, you won. I'm dying, you won. He's not saying, Pharisees, you were right. You were right, Pharisees. You, I, I'm obviously, I, I didn't make it. No, no, no. That's, that's not what he's saying here. It's not over. He's saying it is finished. The battle between truth and lies is won. I have made a way through the love and the unconditional love that I want to show the people of the world because they need a way to me. And I'm going to suffer the most horrific death if that means they can find something worth living for, if they can find a hope to continue for. That is what it is finished means. He finished it for you to find freedom, to not have to stay a slave to sin as the Pharisees were staying. You can make a choice to play for team Jesus and to not just play, but to be a part of a change in this generation, a change in our society with all the dark and the terrible things that occur. We have an opportunity together to make a change and to hopefully get people the freedom that they need. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I pray that you choose team truth. I pray that you choose to let the truth win in your life and in your family's life. So that what we hear, what we hear today, we don't just hear and then it, it's gone, know that we can have it and make room for what Jesus is about to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for just allowing us all to be together and worship you, God. And just to hear, just to hear from you, God. I don't know what the church experience has been for anyone in the past. I don't know if it's their first time hearing about you or it's their 80 millionth time. God, I pray though that all of them, all of us can be reminded just of how good you are, of how much love you have for us, that you truly unapologetically came down to die for us. Although we didn't deserve it and we, we can't deserve it, God, you still saw us and wanted to love us despite of our imperfections. So God, I pray if anyone in, in this room needs freedom from something today, I pray they can give it to you and no longer have to live 
as a slave to sin. God, I pray that every family in here can choose to set the priority and the foundation of their family to be on the truth. Not their truth, not the world's truth, but the truth of you, God. I pray that we all can continue to make room in our lives and our hearts for your word. And God, I pray that we can worship you louder than we ever have before. In your name, amen. Let's worship like we've been set free this morning.